Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Vince from the Encounter Mercy podcast, and you just listened to Adeste Fidelis performed by A.J. Gedney. We hope you enjoyed it. I thought it was beautiful. We also hope that you enjoy our Christmas episode, so please stay tuned. Oh, it's a wonderful life, isn't it, everybody? Welcome to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm your host, Vince Dragone, and I have with me the usual crowd of clowns, uh, Father Andy Boyd, Brother Barnabas, and A.J. Gedney. Mr. Potter, and Happy <laughs> New Year to you in jail. That's yes. all I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be quoting this movie all night tonight. Merry kids. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> so just, just a fair warning to anyone listening uh, right now that if you are here for good Catholic content, uh, this is not going to be it tonight. We are well, going to no. keep it PG. We're going to keep it PG and we're going to have fun and we're going to try to relate the movie It's a Wonderful Life to Christianity uh, because Brother Barnabas and Father Andy keep telling me that this movie has a lot of Christian undertones to it that I watched most of it. I didn't see a whole lot of it. I got some questions. We can talk about it. I thought it was a good movie. I usually hate movies, so that's a lot for me. So, um, yeah, that's... But yeah, I, in- I interrupted the introduction. So we, it's me, Father Andy, Vince, AJ, and Brother Barnabas. And um, But I want to, before we get into the actual movie, I was saying, we were starting to go through our banter like we normally do when we first get together. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, we got to record this. And so Vince uh, mentioned about... Um, I wish everybody, I wish we had video to show this, but Vince mentioned about uh, Brother Barnabas's headphones. Oh, and, and, and what oh was your gosh. comment, They're Vince? They're horrible. Well, I said, I got some good studio headphones here. I will mail them to you because I got, what I got did you more. you call his headphones? Oh, they look like they're from the 90s. Like when you had a Walkman in the 90s. I guarantee that's where you got them from. That was from, from your Walkman. From the child of the 90s, yeah, man. Exactly. I feel like I'm in a Fresh Prince of Bel Air episode. Those, those, and then what's I your very first headphones? Uh, uh, everybody's gonna hear that one i commented that it reminded me of the set that they give free on airplanes i keep those too (laughs) (laughs) he's in a drawer of those yeah so yeah if if only we had some video well maybe i'll hit uh print screen here and we can take a screenshot we'll see what happens. yeah uh but (laughs) as we begin this merry christmas everyone this is coming out on december 24th but um, you know, we are of course recording a little early because, uh, right now, probably, well, depending on what time of the day you're listening to this, uh, I will have already celebrated two masses and getting ready for my third. Wait, um, are we, Andy, aren't we, are we supposed to pretend like it is Christmas? Or are we telling them right now that it's not Christmas, but we're celebrating it because this is airing on Christmas? Uh, we can well, do both. way to and, ruin the know, surprise. Yes. Either Did way, you? I just ruined the surprise. Well, yeah. Okay. But has anybody, well. All right, so I realize after the fact that we're not supposed to use Preface 2 for Advent yet, but I really like Preface 2 for Advent, and if you get a chance to look at it, um, it's worth you looking at. But there's a phrase in it that says, um, essentially it says that we're not celebrating the birth in so fact as the birth is celebrated, like it's, it's, it's not the anamnesis, the making present again like the Eucharist, Right. I have used that phrase in the past. So anybody that's listening will know it. Yes. Anamnesis, the making present again, like we do at the Eucharist. No, when we celebrate Christmas, it's a remembrance of his birth. So, you know, he's already been born. We're celebrating like, like we celebrate. (laughs) So, but the point is that like, we can be celebrating Christmas today, even though it is uh, a day in December that I won't give the date for uh, (laughs) one week from Christmas. Anyway, um, the point is that, uh, 
yes, we are recording this early, but a Merry Christmas. It is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year to you. Building alone. You. Merry Christmas. Side note, there's actually on YouTube a sound version of It's a Wonderful Life, but maybe we can get to that. I was just about to mention that. Did you say a Johnstown version? Yes, it is. Oh it's my 17 gosh. minutes long. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to look at hey, You want the moon? That's the one I should have watched. Like the moon instead jerky. Of, instead we'll, of the two-hour we'll version. There. We'll get there. <laughs> so just so everyone knows, I'm actually watching it as we speak while we're How doing this. How far you went to it? Um, let's see. Young, young George Bailey is trying to go talk to his dad because Mr. Gower Aww. just... Uh, Put poison accidentally oh, in yeah. vial. Yeah. And, uh, so I before we really, I guess, dive into this, and we'll see what what you guys have to say about how this relates at all to Christianity. And I'm terrified. I give you guys one <clears throat> one topic. I, I give you out of the whole year. I give you guys the opportunity to pick the topic, and <laughs> this is what you pick. And I'm terrified that you're going to ruin this for the whole entire podcast and I'm never going to allow you to pick topics again. And I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. But just to get, I mean, just to to get started, I typically hate movies. Not, I don't hate movies. I hate video games. We talked about that last week, but I don't really watch movies. I get bored. Actually, no, no. See, you're spoiling it because we talked about it on Monday, but that episode's coming out on new year's. Ah, crud. Yeah, you're so, right. It's like in, this is like Inception. This, yeah, Inception <laughs> here. Episode Inception where you talk about... Another movie. All right, yeah. we'll say that but for anyway, another podcast. I, yeah. I, 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 I put this movie on. I, I watched as far as I could before I ended up having to go to bed because it's such a long movie. Uh, but it was good. Uh, it was good. I like these old movies because the I like the acting. And it, it kind of inspires me whenever I do like videography work, like the type of stuff that the, uh, that actors did. Uh, back when like film kind of just first started and some of these movies were just happening compared to the, some of the drama that you see now, I have no interest in. And I think that's maybe why I don't like movies, but, but going like actually watching this, it, I enjoyed it. Uh, the only reason I didn't finish it is because I waited to the last minute last night to watch it. And I had to go to bed so I could wake up early, um, to go to work and actually do something to get paid because this doesn't pay the bills. So, um, I mean, with that said, it, it seemed like a good movie so far. You know, I didn't watch it to the end, uh, but I, I one thing and I'm just going to kind of throw this out there because I, I didn't finish it. And I literally have no idea what you guys are talking about when you're talking about uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter, welcome to jail, whatever it is that you're saying. But <laughs> but I just want to throw this out there and you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong. You keep telling me that there's all these Christian uh, overtones or undertone, whatever it is in in this movie. Uh, the only thing that I saw up until the point where I turned it off was, um, uh, what's the guy's, what's the, what's the, George uh, Bailey. George uh, Bailey. just went home. Yes. Is he, uh, is he like the, like a Christ-like, Christ-like figure in this? Whereas in the sense that he keeps sacrificing basically his life and his livelihood for other people, like it's a constant throughout the movie. Like he keeps stopping, like he's got this goal, that like he he wants to do something for himself. Then it turns out the community needs him, so he sacrifices basically his time over the next of the course of so many years, and it continues to do that over and over again. Or see, am I completely I would, wrong? It, see, well, I would just uh, drill. I, I'll give my perspective, and then uh, brother, I would ask that you do too because you've seen this through. And uh, just a little background on this movie. You know, every year up until um, I wasn't home for Christmas anymore because of seminary and things like that. 
uh, my brother and my uncles, my mom's brothers and I, we'd all sit down and watch this movie together on Christmas Eve every single year. And we'd quote it to each other as it's going on. Um, so like I, I, there's just so many random quotes that it, at least I know I can start spouting off and it just brings back good memories. Um, so I think that's one reason why I like the movie. But then on top of that, um, I do believe that there are some uh, good themes, some good Christian themes that we can take from it. I would hesitate to call George Bailey a Jesus figure because of the fact that he is selfish. He is uh, in the beginning of the movie, he's very, he's very selfish insofar as he's always trying to do something for himself. He is selfless. So the opposite of selfish, he's selfless when he recognizes that there is a greater purpose and a greater good that he is a part of and is willing to sacrifice himself for it. Like when we're talking about the beginning of the movie, George, um, when he and his brother uh, are sledding and his brother falls into the ice water and ends up becoming deaf um, in his George, what did you just say? What's that? What'd you say? George becomes deaf in his one ear. Can you say it? I can't hear you. You can't hear me? <laughs> no, not guy. again. He's we don't need to have guy. this problem again. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the movie. That's oh, lame. That's lame. <laughs> that I can hear out of here now. <laughs> yeah. George, is that your bad ear? <laughs> um, so <laughs> George becomes deaf in his one ear because he falls into the water. And that kind of, that will resurface later in the movie. That's kind of like an important feature. Um, that kind of starts the movie off. So I would hesitate to call him a Jesus figure being that his main motivation is for himself. If you look at the main motivation, right? So he, he, he wants to get out of, um, Oh my gosh. Where are the, where's falls. Thank you. Bedford falls. He wants to get out of Bedford falls. He wants out of there as fast as possible. He wants to go to school. He wants to go to New York city. He wants all these things for himself. But it's through the recognition that he needs to sacrifice for others, that he gives up his dreams. And um, even on his wedding day, even on his wedding day, when we see the stock collapse and the banks collapse in Bedford Falls, and that's it's supposed to um, harken back to the Great Depression because they were entering into the Great Depression at this point. And they give up all of their money. You know, George and Mary give up all their money for their honeymoon and cancel their honeymoon and end up moving into a broken down old house, uh, as George will complain about later in the movie as well. Um, he's willing to give it up. Why do we got to live in this drafty old house anyway? <laughs> <laughs> um, daddy, daddy, excuse me, excuse what? me, what? Excuse, excuse me for what? Excuse me for what? I burped. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, getting ahead of ourselves, you know, George is willing to give those things up, but I don't think he's consciously making the choice, at least at the time, because he's always thinking about how is it he's going to get out of Bedford Falls? How's he going to get out of this drafty old house? I don't want to live in this drafty old house. I don't want to live in this, you know, um, when he's visiting Mary, you know, when he's visiting Mary on the night that, um, that his brother comes home. And uh, before he gets married, uh, he's, you know, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live here. And then he ends up falling in love. I mean, he's always he's always been in love with Mary his entire life. He always was in love with Mary. But he, he starts yelling at her. And I wish I could remember exactly what he said. But he's just starts complaining about Bedford Falls and how horrible of a town it is. I don't want to live here my entire life. And I think that I just I don't I don't know if I would call him a Jesus figure because Christ 
always had the interest of the father, you know, as it, once his public ministry began and we know in scripture, and even when he was a child, when he was 12, he always had the interest of his father at heart. He never had his will at heart. It was the father's will. The father's will be done. And that's what he tells us in the, our father's, thy will be done. The father's will be done. So I would hesitate. I would, but brother, go ahead. Okay. So where I, where I agree with you, Father Andy, is, um, yes, perhaps calling him a Christ-like figure is not the best phrase, but I think that he is not a selfish character, right? I think it's more, I mean, there's ways where, of course, he has his own interests and whatever, but I think he's, he's really like every man. You know, yeah, this is why this is a timeless movie is because we can all relate to George Bailey, who has these wants and desires that are actually all even good. But like, man, life is just more complicated. And the fact is, he he's like in a constant tension, you know, in battle of trying to um, struggle with doing the good, you know. And that's I think why I love it is like it shows that his his selflessness in his actions, um, you know, like for instance, you read the accounts of the, of the saints and you're like, sheesh, did these people ever have any like struggle? What? So, I mean, other than the ones that got eaten by lions, I'm sure that wasn't fun. Yeah. But, like, no. it sounds like they were just like totally like, Oh, this is great. You know, everything's great. I love to do this. But this story of George Bailey is like, Oh man, this guy was a good man that, you know, struggled and you get to see the struggle, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the most beautiful scenes is whenever he's, He's at that bar and he's just like yelled at his family and he's just at the bottom of his rope and he's like, Father in heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you can hear me up there, then send me, you know, and it's like such an authentic prayer. And I think we can all relate to having like one of those real prayers where you're like, whoa, God's, he better be listening to this one because I don't have anything better to say. Yeah. Um, So that's what I think about George Bailey, you know, and um yeah, I think we can all look at decisions where we're like, oh, you know, we've had to look back or um, whatever when, you know, this is, it's just like a struggle and we, we chose to do the greater good anyway. Uh, Barnabas, this is why I love having you on because you're so, you you can just contemplate these things and really kind of tie it into to real life. And like, I didn't really what a realize good you are. Yeah. You're a great I'm glad we're talking about movies, so, not books. Cause yeah. then I wouldn't have a lot. Of <laughs> well, join the club. Um, it's <laughs> but, said but, too. but for real, like I didn't realize it until you kind of just said it. Yeah. Like I can relate to, to the main character, uh, George Bailey, like a lot, like just in the, um, in there, like just simple things that happen in life. That's like, why does this have to happen? Why can't we just move out of this house? Or why can't we just have perfect kids? Or why can't we just, you know, whatever it is. Um, like I'm constantly complaining about the work that was done to the house that I live in prior to us moving in and the people who did it, uh, of like, every time I try to do a project, it's like, I have to fix a hundred different things that the last person fixed. It's like, why do I have to live in this house? Why can't it just be perfect? Why let's just buy a new house. This is really stupid. Or just, I mean, just things with work or employees or, or whatever it may be, coworkers. It's like, why do I have to deal with you? And, and you kind of just, you kind of wrap that up into like, yeah, the, we, we kind of all, this is, he's very relatable. And, yeah. uh, and w- from a guy that didn't really watch the whole movie and what didn't see the bar scene or anything like that, it makes sense now. Yeah. And, and I think one of the, <clears throat> one of the greatest scenes to, you know, cause 
all of us have some level of magnanimity in us, right? To do something great. We want to like, man, it'd be great to do something great. Well, there's a great part where, you know, George's brother is a war hero, right? And he shot down all these enemy planes and whatever in the war. Well, George couldn't go off to war because right. of his ear, right? And how did he get his ear injury? Well, he saved Saving his little brother. brother whenever he was a kid. So George, you know, not only... The thing is, nobody really knows that, though. I mean, they know it, but that George's brother would have never been a hero if he had not saved, you know, he would have been dead if George didn't save him as a kid. And I think this movie is really a lot about divine providence, too. That that's the whole kind of, it's almost like two movies in a way, because it's so long. It gets to the point where George is going to jump off the bridge and kill himself. And man, I think especially today, one of the biggest poverties we have is that of lack of meaning, you know of what is the meaning of my life? What's my purpose? I think that's why people like Jordan Peterson have become so popular is because that's his main message is, you know, find meaning in, you know, your own sacrifices and what you're doing with your life. And, you know, rather than simply pursuing happiness, pursue meaning. And when the angel Clarence, you know, tries to get his wings or whatever, which fine, it's not theologically <laughs> what we're talking about, but uh, that he reveals, wouldn't it be cool if each of us could get to see what the world would be like if we had never been born. And I think that that's the cool thing about this movie is George Bailey gets to see that his life is full of meaning for everyone around him, even in his own little crummy town. Yeah. Hey, Brother Barnabas, you said something interesting. Um, it's about doing good. I think it can, it can be hard at times. And like you said, we do have a level of magnanimity in us where, oh, yeah, we want to do the great things, you know, we might have some incredible retreat experience or prayer experience and we're on fire just to do good work for God. But then when it comes down to it, it can be hard because we're facing our own self selfishness. And I think uh, what I thought when you were talking is I feel like George, he never gets a break. You know, he like pours himself out and then he's like ready to like take a breath and someone else needs him and he addresses that need. So I, I, I think, I think, you know, um, for a dad, it's like, you know, you have a hard day at work. You finally sit down and then like your kid needs you. So you get back up. I think that's kind of like the, the living the Christian life is you think, oh, I've reached a plateau. I can rest. Well, like, no, God's going to call you to do something even greater, you know, because of the nature of the Christian life is sacrifice. So yeah. I just, I, I, when I was watching the movie, I found it interesting because he does these great works of mercy and charity toward his neighbor and his uh, fellow uh, city dwellers. But then it feels like as soon as he, he should get a break, he doesn't. It seems like his yep. brother got all the breaks. And, you know, the, the thing is, George, he has this great magnanimous heart to want to go on these great trips and do great things and big, big buildings and all this stuff. And I think the point is he you realize his frustration whenever he hits that area of crisis in his life where he's like, man, what am I doing with my life? But then, and then at the end, the viewer and him realize that his magnanimity, the greatest things he was doing was simply raising his family being, you know, a man in the town that was providing the simple necessities for other people, such as a roof over their head. And uh, I think that we could go a long way to remind people that some, some of the most magnanimous, excellent and great things that we could do is simply just give other people hope in our own kind of monotonous jobs in life that we have going on, even at the old building and loan. Yeah. You know, there's a few. We all have Mr. Potters everywhere that we got to like, you know, <laughs> not bow to and fight against. Ain't that the truth? There's a few scenes I really want to uh, touch on that I've thought about over the years of watching this movie. Um, 
And I, you know, I would agree with everything that we've all said, uh, especially the part when we talk about how he's just willing to give his heart out and he's been always willing to do that. And how when um, the pharmacist accidentally puts poison in the capsules instead of medicine because he finds out that his son had died um, and he's just so distraught and he accidentally puts uh, poison in. And George is the one that figures it out. And what does George do? Well, he runs to his father. And then once he's at his father's, um, you know, in the bill, old building alone, and he's trying to talk to his dad, which is a funny scene as well. You know, Potter is just being a jerk to everybody. Surprise, surprise. And Potter is uh, in there. So uh, maybe real quick for anybody that's never seen it, we have George Bailey, who is our main character. Mr. Potter is like the old tycoon guy that's a big jerk that nobody seems to like and really you aren't supposed to like. Um, Uncle Billy comes into play, but Clarence and George Bailey are like the two main part because Uncle Billy, I want to bring in too, cause he's like the crazy old dude that everybody dude. loves. And in a way, he, he, he ties pieces of string to his fingers to remember to do stuff. And That's it how I feel sense. every day. We always wonder what that means <laughs> in my family. Whenever he shows and then um, George comes in and says, you can remove that one now. And you're like, well, how, what does that the mean? Wedding going? How was the wedding it was good, Uncle Billy. You can remove that one now. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Anyway, um, but uh, Clarence Enza is the angel, and I would say, you know, it, bad language, bad theology there, but he's the angel that's trying to get his wings, and that's how the story goes. And that's why the one line that everybody seems to know from this movie is, Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. And what does George say in his tearful way? That's right. That's Attaboy, right. Clarence. Attaboy, Clarence. Attaboy, Clarence. Attaboy, Clarence. My line is always, you want the moon? I'll put a lasso around it and bring it to you. <laughs> well, another, you know, so, but back to that scene where George runs into his father's office and um, he just starts, he starts yelling at Mr. Potter about how evil Mr. Potter is and all these things. And um, George recognizes right off the bat, there's something wrong with this guy. Like, there's a this is a mean old curmudgeon that just wants everything for himself and is not willing to bend. And George, from the very beginning in his upbringing, from his father and his mother and his brother, he's he was taught well that it's not about me and it's not about you know I have all these wants. Like I said, George has all these wants, and so we have all these wants. But it's it's about the service to everyone around us and our brothers and sisters. And so <clears throat> George ends up running back to the shop, the uh, pharmacy, and um, he gets in trouble with the pharmacist because he'd never had delivered the medicine. And so what does the old pharmacist do? Drunk as a skunk. And he comes over and he whacks George Bailey on the ear, his bad ear. And then he recognizes that he made a mistake. And they both just start bawling into each other's arms. But it's the fact that George was willing to undergo the pain because he realized that it would save someone's life. And that's important later in the movie because later in the movie, um, when George is uh, had wished his life away and wished that he could see what his life was like essentially without him in it, um, he's in the bar. He's in Martini's bar, and it's not called that anymore. Uh, and the old pharmacy pharmacist comes in and he's talking to, um, Oh gosh, what's the name of the, uh, bartender? Uh, oh. Give me about a half hour and I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's talking to the bartender. He says, Hey, w what about, what about the pharmacist here? Is, you know, him? yeah. Wh what, why, what happened to him? He went to prison. You must be someone from prison. 
um, you know, because of the fact that George prevented this man from going to prison for killing a child. And so George's life in that moment when he was as little as he was, as young as he was, willing to undergo the pain and recognizing that other people are important, he was able to save this person from going to prison and spending his entire life in prison and the stigma that comes with that from an accident. Mm. So there's that scene. But then now once George is alive and uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of great ones like or not George is alive, but when back in the beginning of the movie, when George is a little bit younger and they're walking back from the dance and this is one of our favorites in the family. I'm watching. Um, that's where I'm at right now. He's walking around the bush right now trying to decide what to do. Okay, right before that, though, the old man on the porch. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? You you want me to kiss her, huh? Oh, youth is wasted on these wrong people. people. <laughs> I was cracking up at that. <laughs> I'm out here, Bob, I'm sure enough kissing to put hair back on your head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's so stupid, but it's funny. It's yeah. so funny. So, well, I I, th- yeah. I think really one of the big themes. So, one of the big themes already we've talked about in this movie that makes it a classic, and I think is a huge Christian theme, particularly Catholic theme. I think is this understanding and example of divine providence. Yeah, that our lives are meaningful even in ways that we don't know how, and God is the one weaving it all together. Because I think ultimately God is a character in this movie that we kind of forget about, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's the one revealing all these things through the angel. So divine providence, right? Another one I think is, um, I, I've been thinking about this recently, is you know, in our lives, do we, do we reflect on the difference between resume qualities and eulogy qualities, right? And I think that George Bailey didn't have a lot of resume qualities because of the way his life unfolded, whereas his, whereas his brother, you know, was able to do all the successful things. And simple George Bailey, though, he had a lot of eulogy qualities. What I mean by that is his character. Yeah. At the end, the amount of money. I don't. I cannot cry. I, I always cry. That's what I'm trying to say. I always cry whenever. At the end of the movie, all those people are coming in just throwing money at George Bailey. Okay, good. Like, I don't feel bad because I, I cried oh, today no. too. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. Yeah, that is a moving scene. I mean, if you actually are watching the movie and you really are getting into it and paying attention to the, the themes in it, like, yeah, that's a very moving scene. Even the bank examiner comes in and throws yeah. what little cash he has. And I mean, in, in modern days, that it doesn't look like much. I mean, because I'm probably walking around with the amount of money that they each threw into the basket in my wallet. But that is like these people are giving – everything to George because, and that's right. I agree with you. I like that. Um, the not resume qualities, but eulogy qualities. Although if anybody's listening, I'm going to tell you now we don't do eulogies in Catholic funerals. So that can be at the funeral home or at the luncheon. We'll leave it there. No, I'll get into that one. Um, so the, um, but the idea of the eulogy qualities, because George could have, if he would have gone to New York city, he could have been like, um, their friend, uh, uh, Sam Wainwright, right? Sam Wainwright. He writes on the phone. Hee-haw. George, uh, Mary, the phone, Mary, the phone, Mary, Sam. And so, uh, you know, he could have, she could have married Sam Wainwright, but George could have also been like Sam Wainwright and become a, a millionaire. But it was the fact that Sam recognized that his good friend, George needed the money more. And so, he gave, he sent you know a ton of money to George 
a lot of money to George to bail him out. And that, that really goes to show how important his character is in that community, that even people from long ago, friends of his from long ago are willing to send him that much money. And it's a huge amount. I remember doing the inflation costs and it was something like hundreds of millions of dollars or something that they sent. It, it was just some ridiculous amount of money that you and I could never see in our lives. You do an inflation cost for a movie. But that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to, I want to know what's going to cost oh me today God. to get all of George Bailey. I mean, um, anyway, well, that's the thing though, for the, you know, back to that whole scene, remember that all this controversy happened um, with George, you know, Uncle Billy losing the money and all this stuff on the day that uh, Harry Bailey, George's yeah. brother, the war hero, was to return and they were all to celebrate him and his great, yeah. you know, war achievement. Meanwhile, there ended at, at the end of this whole dramatic, horrible situation, which had no hope in sight, they were celebrating George Bailey. Yeah. And Harry, the war hero, came in just as one of the everybody else to celebrate his lowly and unnoticed but yet very valued brother George, right? Yeah. It is beautiful. A scene that I do want to bring up that um, it kind of just flow. It, there's no, it's not really, uh, we're not talking about it in any order, but when George and Mary Bailey are uh, bringing Mr. and Mrs. Martini into their new home and it, um, they're standing there and Mary hand, you know, holds up the loaf of bread and says, bread, that this house may never know hunger, and hands Mrs. Martini the bread. Salt, that life may always have flavor, hands her the box of salt. And George, good old George, and wine, that joy and prosperity may reign forever, enter the Martini castle. It's, a, it's funny, but it has a lot of real significance to us, right, as, as Christians. And... Um, I mean, yes, we could, I don't want to equate it to the Eucharist because it's not, but in the same breath, like they're recognizing bread. It's a necessity for life and, and the salt that brings things flavor. And what does Christ talk about in a lot of his, um, uh, uh parables, you know, uh, he's talking about uh, the bread that is needed and brought together and the wheat that's important for that bread and the salt that salts, you know, if salt loses its flavor, what's going to give it flavor? And so a reminder that salt ha may have flavor, uh, that it, their life might have flavor. And of course, the wine, the wine that we recognize as when we celebrate it at the mass, it it, ha it brings about the blood of Christ, but it it. It's that combination of things that Christ talks about. It's these symbols that we use to bring forth a teaching. And I think that also kind of just subtly, and it's very, very quick scene, but I, I always, you know, thought about that scene. It was a very beautiful scene because of the fact that as you enter into a new home and a new community, um, what a great thing as the community is the one that came out to move Martini and his entire family into that house. I love the point. I think one thing I thought of um, when I was watching this movie is, um, I mean, let's make a plug for Encounter Advent, because uh, my reflections to do one of the chapters of Luke that came out, I guess, a couple of days ago was um, uh, the the man who builds bigger barns for all his goods. Right. Then, uh, right, because in Christ in that parable, he even, he even says, you know, build up, make for yourselves treasure in heaven, like get a money bag that will not perish, that neither th robbers can uh, can steal nor moth destroy. So I think the whole movie is about how the world will always fight against your gaining spiritual goods. Is uh, George does all these great acts, like he's just freely giving him his money, like you mentioned, you know, 
um, honeymoon money, his time, his energy. You know, he, he gives up going on these big trips and starting to, you know, going to these, uh, you know, getting this engineering job somewhere foreign. He stays and runs his dad's um, building alone. And I think Potter represents the, the world because they're always going to say like, but, you know, what are the nickels and dimes for this? Like, well, why does this matter? And it's hard because as Christians, we're going to do good deeds and we're going to point to heaven. But the world is still going to say like, why do you pray every day? Like, what does that get you? Does it make you richer? Does it make you feel better? Um, so I, I always feel like there's going to be a tension between us getting spiritual goods, reaping heaven versus um, doing what the world would think is good and what the world and how the world would see us as being prosperous. Like, oh, well, you need to have a lot of earthly goods. You need to have big barns and the world will approve of you. So I always thought of that between George and Potter because Potter, he like doesn't understand like, well, George, like, why are you doing this? Like, we need to make money. But, you know, like you said, George wants to put homes, uh, put people in homes and put roofs over their heads. Yeah. And you can yeah. also see, uh, you can also see Potter tempting George in the way that the, the world tempts us. You know, he offers him a job. He offers him, I think, he, what he's twenty thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. which I can't imagine how much that is today. And being able to travel the world and do all the things that he wanted to do, and have this beautiful house for his wife, and and all these things. And isn't that what the world tempts us to do all the time? Um, but but George is able to say, uh, no, screw you, Potter. I'm not going to to deal with your your business. He basically us saying to the world, no, I. I'm, I'm going to live in the world, but I'm not going to be of the world. Uh, and instead I have these, these other things that I need to do, uh, as a Christian, um, or, you know, whatever drive, you know, what's driving George at the time. Mm. Another great scene in the movie. And it fits into this whole topic about what recognizing the importance. And so after the, uh, building alone, um, and everything collapses, the money collapses and, um, George and Mary end up giving all their money for their um, uh, their honeymoon. At the end of that whole scene, after they've given it all away, and and they were told that they have to keep the building alone open till six p.m. or else Potter would take it over as well. At the end of the day, um, the staff starts celebrating uh, the closing of the building alone, and all they have left is two dollars. And so, what does George Bailey say? Get a tray for these two great, big, important simoleons here. Uncle Billy will save him for seed. A toast, a toast, a toast to Mama Dollar and Papa Dollar. And if you want Pete's old building alone in business, you better have a family real quick. And what does Cousin Tilly say? I wish they were rabbits. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 find, I always laugh at that scene. But um, once again, you know, they're, they're so grateful for the last $2, but it's not the $2 that matters. It's the fact that they were able to keep the building alone open to be able to take care of those other people. Uh, or like when they are giving out that money and George is asking people, okay, how much money do you need? How much money do you need for, um, to be able to get through this week? And the one lady comes up and says like $18 and 50 cents. And he reaches over and gives her a big kiss on the forehead because it's like some really small amount that is manageable. Um, uh, it was actually, and, it was uh, actually $17 and 50 cents to be exact. Okay. I remember that. So, well, no, that's good. I mean, it's just, it's the fact that, you know, it's a very small <laughs> amount of money where that guy before her was being a jerk and wanted uh, all of his 240 money. some dollars. Yeah. Uh, and, and that will close my account. No, that's not going to close your account. That's a loan and you'll sign the papers here and we'll deal with all that later. But it was the fact that, you know, she, um, 
the recognition that it's not about the money, but sadly we need money to be able to live because that's how things function. We have to trade one thing for something else. So, um, but you know, it, it made me chuckle of course, cause wishing that they were rabbits, wanting them to have a big family anyway. Um, so saving it for seed anyway, it was just, it's a funny scene. I like the scene and it's, uh, it's a great, um, recognition that in that whole area when once Mary's gives them how much you need when she holds up the big wad of cash. Well, even that father, Andy, man, it's a great example of, you know, realize how much do we actually need? You know, I was thinking about this whenever I go camping, you, you realize like, wow, I really don't need a whole lot. You know, I'd probably be okay. You know, now, of course, it's always nice to come back and take a shower and, you know, like have electricity again. Yeah. But in that scene, you know, like, oh, man, you know, even like marriage today. Oh, well, man, you know, we don't want to get married because we don't have enough money yet because, you know, everything's supposed to be like what you see on Say Yes to the Dress on yep. television. Well, man, Mary gives away their honey. Like they don't. It'd be great to have all that, of course. But all they need is one another. All they yeah. need is love. Yeah. And the quote by Clarence Oddbody. Uh, what's his title? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Angel Second Class. <laughs> Angel Second Class. A- AS2. AS2. What, I'm AS2 sure. what does that stand for? Angel Second Class. And the I'm guy sure that sits and just falls back from his chair in the little uh, uh, um, bridge watching yeah. tower. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But his classic line at the end of the movie, right? Remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends. And perhaps we could even exchange the word friends for no man is a failure who has love and loves in his life. And that's really, I think, the story of It's a Wonderful Life is our whole world is judged off of how successful or whatever we do. But in at the end, in that scene, when everyone walks in George Bailey's house and he was to the point of such despair, he thought he was better dead than alive, that it's revealed to him that his life is one which is successful because of how much he had loved everyone in his town. Even if sometimes, you know, <laughs> kind of, well, that's the thing is George Bailey. He, this is another thing. He's so rough around the edges. That's why he's great. He's like, ah, oh, you know, angry sometimes and this and that. But I think, uh, I think we need people um, that are like rough around the edges for the sake of Christianity, for the sake of changing the world. Jordan Peterson, you know, I like to say his name. He calls it, we need like dangerous men, right? Some like men that have something to offer that, um, you know, maybe, maybe you knock down some, some, uh, some of the China set along the way, but you are like, you're in it. And, uh, George Bailey uses his, um, even from whenever he's a little kid, his fight against Potter, you know, everybody else is kind of like bows to Mr. Potter, but George Bailey will not give up. You know, he's going to fight against Mr. Potter because George Bailey is, you know, he's a dangerous man, but in the best of senses. Meanwhile, Mr. Potter is dangerous in the worst of senses. George, you know, shows that um, his rough around the edges, whenever it's combined with love, uh, brings about great power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we could go on for this movie like for hours. I mean, it's one of my absolute favorites. and There's so much. So many great scenes in it that we could talk about, but I don't know. What do you think, Vince? That's kind of the reason why Brother Barnabas and I felt like it was. Hey, it I had get some. it. I, I get it. But going back to uh, to kind of 
um, add on to it, what Barnabas just said was, you know, I think the reason why like people like Jordan Peterson and those who follow him and kind of subscribe to that are so usually cast off to the side as being far right and dangerous is because, well, yeah, they are dangerous, but in a good way. It's, it's not like, uh, you know, you look at George and yeah, he's, he's a dangerous man, but is he a dangerous man in the sense that he's a terrorist that he's killing people? No, he's a dangerous man. In the fact that he is challenging the norm. He's challenging the things that uh, society puts up as, Hey, this is what we need to, we all need to strive for this. But, but in reality, it leaves you with empty. It leaves you with nothing. And that's, unfortunately, that's where the way that, that society goes. Um, but and then you have George on the, on the outside being the dangerous man challenging that. And Father Andy, you're laughing. What are you laughing about? I, 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 okay. So I have a bunch of quotes up on my other screen here from the movie and, and something George says early on in the movie when he's a kid. And, uh, once again, my family, my brother and I especially make fun of this scene because George is just so tactless, completely tactless because George Bailey, um, is, uh, talking to Mary, uh, when they're children and he's working at the counter for ice cream and she says, I'll take whatever ice cream she orders, uh, but no coconut. And George no, says, coconut. you don't like coconuts. Say brainless. Don't you know where <laughs> coconuts are from? It's like, George, <laughs> what a womanizer. Well, not a womanizer. What a, what a, uh, you know, nice young man you are. Say brainless. Like, oh, that's great. Thank you, George. Well, but he's like, he's a little kid and he's like working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's why I'm laughing. Cause I finally got to the bottom of the list and that was one of the ones that I saw. Say well, brainless. Well, that's, that's the thing my wife said when she saw him like working behind the bar there, she's like, well, he's like 10 years old. I'm like, well, it was a different time. honey. You got to remember <laughs> yeah. this, this takes place. Like this part takes place in like 1920 something or other. So a little, a little, a little earlier than that. I think it was like 1910. Oh yeah. Cause he would have graduated in 1928 or his little brother graduated in 1928 or something like that. So yeah, that would put it like, yeah, before like World War One, I. I was like, <laughs> yeah, different Same time. Brainless. Kid, kids worked. Yeah, brainless. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just it's comical. It's comical. But anyway, you, you stole my thunder there. What, what I, was yeah, trying, I did. What, I'm always good at that. Yeah, what I was trying to get at is that you know, us as Christians, we're we're constantly being um, challenged and and persecuted. Uh, realistically, I and mean, I'll use that word um, with what we're trying to do, what we're, the goal that we're trying to achieve in our secular mm-hmm. society. Um, you know, our it's unfortunate, but like popular culture will tell us that no, you you women need to be on birth control. Women need to have abortions. Um, we need to allow um, uh, gay marriage and and. and uh, we, we need to allow, um, women priests and we need to allow all these, like you hear about all these things. It's like, wow, this goes against, this goes against natural law. This goes against everything we believe. And yet when we stand up, we're told we're being bigots and we're told that we're dangerous and, and yeah, you know what? We are dangerous. Are we bigots? No. Are we dangerous? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's something that we really should, uh, be invigorated with, um, to, to be yeah. able to fight fire, back against fire the system. Is dangerous. Yeah. Fire is dangerous. Absolutely. Keeps us alive. If hey. We know how to use it well. You know, the great Fulton Sheen, Vince, says about this. He says, what's the difference between prisoners in jail and um, people in like a cloister, you know, like monks or nuns? He says, it's pretty radical decision either way. 
of how to spend your life. The decision is, you know, uh, what, which, which direction people decided to go, you know, and that's not to glorify people live in a monster. Gosh, I live in a monster. The point being is this, that he says each person, we have a certain amount of energy and zeal to use with our lot, our lives. And that, uh, we should spend our lives completely on the direction of love, right? Rather than just, well, you know, we should just kind of like be nice. We should just be like calm and passive and not stir the pot. Well, no, let's stir the pot like George Bailey did, but for love, for truth, right. for justice, yeah. for righteousness, and not let um, not let lies destroy other, you know, destroy our little town, our little right. crummy town. Yeah. You know, I, I, and, f- and I feel like we should have an episode on Star Wars too, because I feel like that's what the Jedi do as well. You know, like you. I've never seen Star Wars. Oh Dude. my goodness! We okay. should match you for this webcam. <laughs> I just I could never get into it. I, I'm yes. I got so bored with it. Okay, all right. I anyway, have, all right. You're excommunicated from the podcast. Have. I'm going to mute you from now on going forward, <sighs> and we're going to continue without you. All now right. wait a minute. I there's just two quotes from Clarence that I I would like to uh, say because um, saying everything that we have, but also the fact that if anybody is out there, especially you know with COVID and with with all of the craziness going on in our world and the depression and the anxiety and the sadness that's out there, um, there's two themes that I think. Well, one theme actually, I take that back. There's one theme, but two quotes that Clarence has that I think can apply to all of us. Um, first one is is strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? The fact is that each of us. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, each of us have some sort of role in this life. And even if it seems small to us, it was big. George saving his brother. If he didn't save his brother, his brother wouldn't have been able to save all those people in the downed helicopter. George saving the pharmacist from accidentally killing and poisoning that child. George saving the old building and loan. George making sure his mother didn't end up becoming um, to the point where she had to open up a you know her house to boarders. Uh, George making sure that, well, I mean, it's it's not a very good one, but in the day when the movie was shot, it was. George making sure that Mary didn't become, uh, as she called herself, an old hag. Um, you know, have, being able that she could have children. Um, but George, he, he had such an important role in so many people's lives. And so, like uh, Clarence says, strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many others. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? And then once George actually at the end of the movie recognizes that he is important and his life is important and what he has done is important, Clarence says, you see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? You've been given a great gift, George, a chance to see what the world would be like without you. And so, you know, we, we don't have that. Thankfully, we don't have to go through that that pain because that was painful for George. And when you watch the movie, you can see how painful it is for him to go through that recognition that, you know, oh my gosh, nobody knows me and nobody knows anything about me. And I want to live again, Clarence. I, I want to live again, Clarence. Clarence, out the there's the whole yeah. Anyway, I, I could quote that too, but I won't. But um, um, so that's it, bro. You just captured the reason why this is. A great movie right there in those two quotes. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just, I, I think like the message of hope that makes it a Christian movie is like, man, our lives become meaningless until we remember that God has a plan, uh, even for meaningless people like George Bailey. Yeah. And for the yep. Barnabas. Thanks, AJ. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> no, there's no editing anything out. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you guys brought up that we should talk about this movie because you have convinced me that there is a lot we can learn as Christians from it. And I was very skeptical at first, and I thought this would be nothing but um, – uh, a, a circus, and I'm glad that it wasn't. We had some fun though along the way, but uh, I think we I mean, learned a this lot. Podcast here too. is a circus, but <laughs> yeah, I was right. say it, it. you got you're excommunicated too, so it's just me and Barnabas now from, from now on. <laughs> oh, right. wow. So it's it's us and our soundboard. Oh wait, never mind. I can't talk about that because that's next week. But well, yeah, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. May, you know, may, maybe. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, but you're going to have to stay tuned uh, till next week to be able to find out what the heck we're talking about there. Um, But one last thing before we wrap up, uh, because it is Christmas, and, well, we are recording this uh, slightly early. Unfortunately, Father Andy's gift did not arrive to him yet to open up uh, for everyone to be able to uh, hear his reaction when he opens this. So I'm just going to tell him when we got him. Um, We got you a whole collection of Joel Olstein books that I think you're going (laughs) to— That I think will will really benefit. <laughs> oh yeah, you know though, you know my parents have two really nice fireplaces, and we're always seeming to run out of paper when we need to start a fire. I'm sure it will provide the best kindling. Uh, but uh, uh, okay, well you can do with whatever you want with them, but uh, that's what you'll it be opening up. It will be put up. to good use. You'll be. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you'll be <laughs> opening up on, on Christmas. And I, I really hope that it can, uh, that can help you maybe in your homilies, um, and things like that. But anyway, uh, we hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Um, and, uh, I, I just ask that if you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't already subscribed, please hit that subscribe button, head on over to our website, encountermercy.com, where you can find out a lot more about us and the the uh, all of the hosts that we have, the co-hosts that we have. Yeah, I need your guys' bios, by the way. Yeah, those will be up before oh, yeah. Christmas. Um, but anyway, make sure you also go to our uh, um, our social media. Uh, check it out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please share this podcast with anybody you feel would benefit from it. Maybe they're a movie geek. Maybe you are at a Christmas party right now and you realize that the person you've been talking to cannot stop talking about it's a wonderful life. And you just have to say to them, Hey, you got to check out this podcast I heard on account of mercy. Um, and, and maybe you can I didn't know you life. were talking about, I didn't know this person was at a, a, a Christmas party with me. Yeah. You, hey, you never know. Uh, if w- they tell me to listen to my own podcast, so that's going to be sad. Uh, wouldn't that be hilarious? Wouldn't that be hilarious? But this, this father Andy guy, yeah. I can't stand him, but he, he was really funny. <laughs> But anyway, that's all we got for you this week. And uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.